it, Red Arms. Give it your all. We'll drink the wine till the cup is dry and kiss the girls on down the cry and toss the dice until we fly and dance with Jack of the Shadows. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tales of Red Arm. I'm your host, Justin. And today we're jumping into chapter 22, The Price of the Ring. But before we go into that too far, uh, we'll do a quick recap of, I believe it was chapter 21, um, which is the World of Dreams. And Varen basically summons Egwene and then gives her a Tirongreal that allows her to enter the World of Dreams, allegedly, or allows her to better enter the World of Dreams, or easier. Um... And she give her some stuff to study, so she was leaving Varen's room when that happened. But she's now in chapter 22, she's just leaving Varen's room and goes down the hall a little bit, and then she runs into Sherryom. And Sherryom is a little frowning for some reason. <laughs> and uh, she's like, well, if somebody had remembered Varen speaking to you, I probably wouldn't have found you. And he's like, come along, you're holding everything up. And then she mentions, what are those papers? Now, these are the papers of all the Tirangriol and all the things to do with the Black Jaw and whatnot. So, like, it's just kind of weird that it's like you're you're going to Varen's, I guess, quarters, study quarters, room, whatever. And you're with a brown. And a brown's going to be like, hmm, here, take this, 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 go study this. And then you, like, leave. And somebody's like, what are those papers? I'm like, you just admit I'm from the Brown sisters' room. Is it that strange that I have papers? <laughs> it's the first thing I thought was kind of strange. It's just like, why do you think... Why, why is this a big thing? Like, wouldn't you expect me to, like, be more questioned when I leave a Brown's room without papers? Because that makes more sense. But Egwene's, like, really nervous, and she's trying to, like... Be like, oh, oh, don't don't notice the papers, don't notice the papers. And she's like, well, Varen said I thinks I should study them. And she's like, well, what is she going to do if Shiryam sees them? You know, <laughs> what explanation? Ex yeah, explanation or excuse can she give for refusing? What explanation for pages talking about thirteen women of the Black Aja and the Tirangriol they had stolen? You know, minor details. Shiryam's like, oh well, whatever. Um, he's like, you're wanted, and everyone is waiting. So she takes Egwene's arm and forces her to walk a little bit faster. And Egwene's like, what do you mean I'm wanted? What are they waiting for? He's like, well, did you forget you're supposed to be raised to the accepted? When you come to my study tomorrow, you'll be wearing the ring, but it's not going to really soothe you very much. And she's referencing the fact that she's still going to be punished despite being accepted, but she'll just be accepted while she's getting punished. So nothing else is going to really change. But Egwene's like, what? And she's trying to stop, but... Sherryam keeps dragging her. He's like, but is it tonight? But I'm already half asleep. Like, I'm dirty, and I thought I had days to prepare and whatnot. And he's like, well, the hour waits for no woman. You know, the wheel weaves as it wills, when the wheel, wheel wills. And he's like, and what would you already prepare? You already know the things you gotta, and more than your friend Nynaeve did. And then they keep, like, rushing down. And going, like, oh, I listen to lectures, and I remember them, but can I have a night's sleep? And yeah, Sherryam's like, well, the Armalyn said that there's no point in waiting. And then her exact words were, and I love this, once you decide to got a fish, there's no use waiting till it rots. <laughs> That's true. It's like Elaine has already been through the uh, arches by this time, and the Armalyn means for you to go through tonight as well. I don't see the point of such a hurry, but when the Armalyn commands, we obey. So Gwen lets herself be, you know, pulled down this ramp, and she's got a knot forming her belly, because Nynaeve hadn't been really talkative about what happened when she was raised, and she wouldn't really speak of it, except for a grimaced, I hate I said I. You know, Gwen's trembling by the time the ramp is <laughs> still the Broadway, the broad hallway, and uh, they're really below the tower and the rock of the island, so like they're really far down the tower. And it's kind of a basic descriptions and whatnot. Yeah, I'm not going to go into the details of like the room and whatnot, because you can read that yourself. But then as they enter, Elida snaps that it's about time. And she's sitting in her red fringe shawl. And at first glance, that like you think, oh, well, it's Elida. She always wears a shawl. But then second thought, you're thinking, well, it's abnormal for people to wear their shawls in the tower. But then it goes into further detail about 
there are other sisters in the room and they're all wearing their shawls. So it's like, oh, it's because it's a formal event. But in the middle, there's this uh, table that has three large silver chalices. And those will become important later. Um, there's three rounded silver arches just tall enough to walk under, sitting on a thick silver ring with their ends touching where they joined. And an Aes Sedai sat cross-legged on the bare rock before each of the spots where the arches joined the ring, all three wearing their shawls. Alana was the sister of the green Aja, but she did not know the yellow sister or the white. So we don't really get their descriptions or their names at this time. Um, I do find it funny because the description is three rounded silver arches. And the first thing that popped in my head is, um, you know, Stargates. <laughs> but uh, as opposed to going to other worlds, it goes to points in time. So it's a little different. A potential points of time, I should say. So the three Aes Sedai that are staring at the arches have the glow of Sidar around them. But inside, there's the silver structure has an answering glow flickering and growing. So it's like Stargate where it kind of like warps in the middle and pops up and fills the entire thing. That structure was a Tirangriel and whatever it had been made for in the Age of Legends. Now novices pass through it to become accepted. Inside it, Egwene would have to face her fears three times. The white light within the arches no longer flickered. It stayed within them as if confined. But it filled the space, made it opaque. Sounds an awful lot like a Stargate to me. Um, I would like to point out that they're like, well, whatever it was supposed to be for in the Age of Legends, now novices become accepted through it. I'm like, that sounds a little suspect and a little bit, um, I don't know, like, dangerous <laughs> it's like we don't know what this is for but we're gonna send you through come accepted and then we find out more about it, that danger so shiriam's like all right alida calm down we're gonna be done soon enough and he's like then she turns to Egwene, and was like hey novices got three shots of this and you can refuse twice to enter but the third you're going to be sent from the tower forever that is how it was done usually and you certainly have the right to refuse but i don't think the armorland seat would like you to do that and Elida's like, well, she shouldn't even be given this chance. And she's like, I don't care what her potential is. She should be put out of the tower or, you know, that, not that, set to scrubbing floors for the next 10 years. And I'm thinking, she's probably angry about Elaine being whisked away for so long and destroying the relationship between Andor and the White Tower. But at the same time, Elida's Elida. <laughs> so it is, it is what it is but Shiryam looks at Elida pretty hard and he's like well you weren't so adam adamant about Elaine you demanded to be part of this Elida and probably because of Elaine and you will do your part for this girl um, or you're going to leave and I'm going to find somebody else so basically Elida gets overruled after they st have a stare down and Shiryam wins and he's like, just like, well, if we have to do it, let's do it. And give the miserable girl a chance to refuse and be done with it. It is late. <laughs> it's like, it's late. <laughs> you guys picked the time to do this, not anybody else. It's not like you picked the morning and then like, oh, it's late. No, it's early. You didn't pick that. So you picked the late time. You're, you can't be surprised when it's late. And Egwene's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to refuse. I'm going to go on. And Sheriff's like, good. Now, there's two things no woman hears until she stands where you do. Once you begin, you must go on to the end. Refuse at any point, and you'll be put out of the tower just as if you refused the third time. Important. Second, to seek to strive is to know danger. I'm not sure if she's telling her that when you go through the arches, if you do anything, you're looking for danger. But that's probably what she's telling her, and that's what I gathered from it. And then... um. You know, she says this obviously like a lot of times and whatnot, but she's like, well, some women have entered and never come out. When the Tirangriel was allowed to grow quiet, they were not there and they were never seen again. If you will survive, you must be steadfast. Falter, fail, and this is your last chance. Refuse now and it only counts as the first. You can have still try twice more. If you accept now, there's no turning back. It's no shame to refuse. I couldn't even do it my first time. 
And Egwene's like, well, they never come out? I'm thinking, this actually makes sense for Egwene because she's young, she's stupid, and she's scared of every little detail in life. So her being like, oh, they never came out. I want to be honest to die, but I have to become accepted. And she's just like, she's freaking out, which is reasonable. And she's like, oh, I accept. She over kind of overcomes it, but she's still kind of like nervous. Shem's like, all right, then ready yourself. So Gwen blinks and then she, you know, has to, she remembers she has to go in naked. So she bends down to put the tied bundle of papers that Varen had given her and hesitated and then this is the main point of this part, you know. If she leaves them there, Shiriam or Elida, either one, could go through them while she was inside the Tirangriel. They could find that smaller Tirangriel in her pouch, but if she refused to go on, she could hide them away and maybe leave them with Nynaeve. And I'm thinking, like, okay, what reason does any Aes Sedai have to go through a novice's stuff when they're doing a formal event? Like, this was just sheer stupidity. Like, well, if I leave this stuff here, they're going to, you know, come look through my stuff. But why? What reason do they have to? Sherryon could have just said, give me your papers, and you'd have to give her papers. She could have said, empty your pouch at any point in time. You'd have to empty your pouch. It's not like this is, you know, some crazy concept. I don't know. She's, she's kind of off a rocker. She's like, well, I can't refuse. I've already started. Shram's like, well, have, are you already going to refuse? You know, that will, that will mean you get kicked out of the tower. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. So she, you know, takes off her clothes, puts her, uh, puts them on top of the pouch and the papers. And, you know, she's like, oh, well, here we go. So next to the Tirangriol, Alana just says out of nowhere. And I, I don't understand this point because it doesn't make sense. And it's just like, oh, there's some sort of resonance. You know, an echo almost. I don't know from where. And Shram's like, is there a problem? I'm not going to send a woman in there if there's a problem. And Egwene's like, please let there be a problem. Something let me have this papers without refusing to enter. And I was like, no, no, it's just like having a bite me buzz around your head when you're trying to think. But it doesn't interfere. I would not have mentioned it, only it has never happened before that I have ever heard. And she's like, oh, it's gone anyway. And a lot is like, well, maybe others thought not such, such a thing was not worth mentioning. And it's... I don't know if that means Elida knew about it as well, or if Elida's the cause of it, but I feel like you would notice because Elida would have, you know, the sidar bounced around and you'd see the weaves coming out of her. So it's probably not Elida. It's just the fact that this little resonance or echo happens is just a little strange. Now, the other possibility is that there's a Tirangriel in the room with these things, these arches. And that's Egwene's ring, and that's causing like a little blip on the radar. Uh, but it's not like anything big. Obviously, novices don't carry Tirangrial or have them or own them or anything, so they're not expecting this. And Varen could not have known that she's going to be picked tonight, because even Egwene didn't know. Although, hypothetically, Varen would have a higher chance than Egwene to know. But unless everyone in the tower was being told, it's unlikely that Varen knew. So, Sharon's like, all right, let's go. So, Gwen follows her towards the arches. And then Elida goes through this ritual. And I, I've tried thinking about whether it's worth actually going through all of this. Because it's basically, you're just like, is she going to face her fears? Yes. And it's like an incantation kind of thing. Not really an incantation, I guess. It's like so formal, it's annoying. But it's cool to read, but it's just kind of annoying to talk about. Because... Without saying every little detail, there's no really point. Um, but basically, they get the formalities out of the way, and he's like, "Okay, Sherem's like the, f the first time is for what was. The way back will come but once. Be steadfast." And if everyone remembers Nynaeve's little tests and everything, it's going to be similar, but obviously a different story. It's like, well, this is for what was. So she enters in to the, the first silver arch. And um, she's talking to Rand, who's her husband. And Rand's uh, talking, I guess, to Gawain while there's a child in the cradle, which is her daughter. And it's... <laughs> It's a little weird because Joya, the daughter, is just kind of like, how do you how do you ever picture a child that you've never had? 
and put that in there and be like, yeah, that's my kid. <laughs> but the way the arches work, it kind of just tells you, like, you just know. Like, there's certain things you know. Like, Aran's like, hey, James Daughtry stopped by, and there's some weird news coming from Verilon. And she's thinking, like, wow, Rand's my husband. Joy is my child. My daughter. But despite that, she knows, like, well, of course, he's my husband. Of course. This is, but simultaneously, she also knows, like, this is what I, this is what it could have been like. This is what we could have had. But then there's a disembodied voice that says, the way will come back but once, be steadfast. So then she, um gets over the wonder and she's like, well, you know, why would she think something's out of weird or like out of control or out of weird? Because obviously Rand is her husband, her handsome, loving husband and Joy is her daughter, the most beautiful, sweetest little girl in all the two rivers. Tam, Rand's father was out with the sheep supposedly so Rand could work on the barn, but really so he could have more time to play with Joya. In other words, Joya is fairly new. Um, probably not toddler age, but it goes through all these little things. Uh, I don't necessarily want to go through the entire thing. Um, just because it's, it's a small event that doesn't have a whole lot of craziness with the rest of the series. It's mostly just for this instance for her. And she's basically like, well, what kind of news? And he's like, well, I mean, strange news, you know, there's war. And at least that's what the peddler's telling everyone. And everyone's fighting this people called the Shokin or the Shan Chan or something like that. Never heard of them. And then Egwene knows, or at least she thinks she knows, but it was gone. Like, are you fine? It's not going to bother us. We're in the middle of nowhere. It's like, oh, I'm not upset. And then they find out that he's San Chan or Shokin. <laughs> they uh, use Aes Sedai in battle. But then um, Rand touches his head. And she's like, oh, is it the headaches? It's like, well, yeah, the powder Nynaeve gave me doesn't seem to be working. Blah, 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 blah. Goes through a whole bunch of stuff. But then all of a sudden, um, she's thinking about like what she wants and everything. Like all this stuff is going on. I can help my husband. She's like, oh, let me try Rand. And then there's an arch all of a sudden standing in front of her house with white light. And it's like, the way will come back but once. Be steadfast. So she takes two steps towards the door before she stopped. And she's like, well, this is what I want. This is what I want. Why, do I ha why can't I have this and be I said I? Like, why can't I do both? And she doesn't understand her own words, but then Rand's like, well, what, what do you want, Egwene? And if it's anything I can get, you know I'll get it. If, and if I can't, I'll just make it. You know, loving, good husband. And the way will come back but once, be steadfast. So she takes another step into the doorway. And the silver arch beckons her, but something waited on the other side. Something more that she wanted more than anything else in the world. Something she had to do. But then Rand thumps to the ground and just... He's like, oh, it hurts even more and more. And it's just, he's in pain. And obviously she's like, he's the love of my life. He's my husband. Uh, I got to help him. But then he's just like, Stead, be steadfast, steadfast, you know. But then, you know, Joy is laughing behind her and the crib. And he's groaning in pain and agony going, Egwene, Egwene. And she stiffens her back and walks, and she just is bawling as she walks through the, the arch. And she steps out trembling and sobbing, and Elida pours this chat one of the silver chalices over her, and it's like, you're washed clean of what sin you may have done, and of the ones who have done to you, washed clean of what crime you may have committed, and those crimes committed against you. You come to us washed clean and pure in heart and soul. And she just starts sobbing. She's like, going, oh, her name is Joya. Joya, nothing can be worth what I just... And Sherryam's like super sympathetic. And he's like, hey, there's a price to become Aes Sedai. I'm like, well, I don't know if it's necessary, but then, sure, go for it. He's like, there's always a price. And she's like, well, is it real? Is it a dream? Did I leave him to die? Did I leave my, my baby? And Sherryam's like, well, the easy... every woman... I have ever watched come out of there has asked the same question. The answer is nobody knows. It's been speculated that some of those who do not come back choose to stay because they found a happier place and lived out their lives there. If it is real, they stayed from choice. Then I hope they live the lives there. They are far from happy. You know, I don't have any sympathy for those who run from responsibilities. I'm like, okay, first off, <laughs> that's not running away. It's making a different path choice. <clears throat> it's not like, there's soldiers in a war and you can't, you know, 
ditch the army that that's running away from responsibility like you joined up you gotta do what you're doing like you made you made that commitment when you're a novice you're just like i'm here to learn and i i can get kicked out so if i said no after starting i could instantly get kicked out like if i wanted to leave the tower i could totally do it <laughs> i'd be like I'll do it. And then you get in there and you say, oh, never mind. I don't want to do it. Poof. Bye, y'all. And even if they didn't want you to leave, too bad. It's their own rules. So it's kind of silly that she's going on with that. But it's partially understandable that she would think similar to that. But that's just, it's the weird thing. So um, she's like, well, here's the next one. Are you ready? So she goes gets ready to push push her into the, the silver dark she's like the second time is for what is the way will come back or the way back will come but once be steadfast and <laughs> Gwen's like well whatever happens it can't be worse than the last one so she steps in the girl i was like oh is it is it though so she stares in her blue silk sewn dress with pearls and all dusty and torn and it's just she's in the royal palace of andor and Everything's kind of all messed up, and there's Trollocs and Murdral roaming the cities, and she's keep getting the the way back will come but once. Be steadfast, and um, she finds Rand pinned underneath this beam in like some rubble of a house. He's like, "Oh, you came back. I was afraid. You have to help me." And so she's like. I could lift the beam easily with air, but as soon as it moves, everything else will come down on top of you, on both of us. I cannot manage all of it. He's like, well, I could shift the beam myself. You know that. I could shift that and the stones above, all of them, but I have to let go of myself, and I can't trust that. He's like, well, let go of yourself. What do you mean you can't trust yourself? And he's like, oh, it's the madness. I'm actually holding it at bay, but it takes everything I have to do that. If I let go, even a little, for an instant, the madness will have me. And I won't care what I do. You have to help me. He's like, well, how? I've tried everything. Just tell me how to do it. And he's like, the dagger, you know, here in the heart. You just kill me. And I'm like, no. I'm thinking, like, you could just move the beam and let the whole thing collapse on you. There's that, too. <laughs> but, okay. I don't think the madness could hit you that fast to the point where you just instantly, like, burst and blow up the entire house and just go insane mode. Like, I don't think that's how it works, guys. Um, she's like, why would I, why would I want me to murder you? I can heal you. I'll do anything to get you out of here, but I'm not going to kill you. And it's like, well, they can turn me. The merger, all the dreadlords, they can turn me to the shadow. If madness has me, I cannot fight them. I'm like, well, first off, how do you know? Second off, why do you think that? <laughs> how, how would you possibly know that if the madness takes you, you can't fight Merdral? You fight literally everyone, including Merdral. It's not like madness turns you into an evil person by default. It just turns you into a person who can't control yourself, which is how the breaking happened. Like, it's just so much insanity, literally running around, blowing things up and terraforming the planet, essentially. So this whole concept of, oh, well, I, I, I won't be able to fight these guys. And I'm, like, I'm pretty sure you would because you'd blow everyone up, including yourself. That's literally what you do when you go insane. And he's like, well, they can turn me to the shadow and, you know, if there's a spark of life when they find me, they can still do it. And he's like, just kill me. And he's like, oh, I can't, I can't. But then over her shoulder is a silver arch with white light and it takes up most of the open space in the rubble. And she's like, oh, help me, Egwene. And she hears, be steadfast. So she stands up and takes a step towards the arch and it's just right there in front of her. One more step. And she's like, please, Egwene, help me. I can't reach it. For the love of the light, help me. And she's like, I cannot kill you. And he's, she's like, I can't, forgive me. She steps forward and just yells, help me, Egwene! And then, like, just consumes her. She, she pops through, and I'm like, that's not nearly as bad as the first one, technically. Um, she's not leaving a child, let's put it that way. And in both situations, she leaves Rand, but that she didn't leave a child. But she comes out, and she's not really noticing her nakedness or caring. She just covers her mouth with both hands. She's like, I can't, Rand. Please forgive me. But then she gets a second silver chalice poured over her head. She's like, you're a wash clean of false pride. I'm like, that speaks a lot. Vaughn for you, Elida. She's like, you're a wash clean of false ambition. You came to us wash clean in heart and soul. And the red sister turns away, but Shiryam's like, oh, one more child. That's all it is. It's done. 
I'm thinking this is technically going pretty fast. <laughs> like <laughs> maybe in and out be like, oh, there's a silver arch. Boop, and go through it, and go to the next one, boop, and go right through it, go to the next one, boop. It's just... They make it seem to be a lot bigger of a deal than it really truly is, which I find strange. Um, but And this is something that I think, like, it just makes you want to slap the ever-living snot out of Egwene. Like, light burn her, she's the dumbest thing on the planet. And she just mumbles like, He said they could turn him to the shadow. He said that the Mergel and the Dreadlords could force him. Like, to Shiriam. And she, like, misses a step and looks around. And I'm thinking, like, oh, no, you are such an idiot. <laughs> Like, you could tell that to Nynaeve. You could tell that potentially even to to Elaine. But you don't tell that to someone that you yourself have multiple times questioned as Black Aja, let alone has not been given the go-ahead from either Varen, um, the Amarlin Seat, or Moraine to talk to about this kind of stuff. Like, none of it. And you're just like, you are clearly stupid like there's no other way around this you are absolutely out of your mind stupid i just imagine swan hearing this and going fish guts but she's like oh that's an unpleasant thing to talk of child come one more i'm thinking like maybe you know people found out that randall thor is the dragon reborn maybe People know that there is a Dragon Reborn that has announced himself, but not Nyx, or not necessarily who he is. They're, they're not sure who or what he looks like per se, beyond the little posters that have him fighting in the sky with balls and on and whatnot. But not everybody knows who that is. And obviously, Elida isn't talking to, when Elida came bursting in a couple chapters back, it wasn't like, hey... I know Rand's the Dragon Reborn. I need to find him. She's like, you know that kid, you know, that that sheep herder. What about him? Tell me more about him. And he wants to like no. So like nobody knows really that he's the Dragon Reborn. So you're coming in and going, you know, the Merdral and the Dreadlords could force him to change to, to turn him to the shadow. And I'm like, why would you say this? Why? And I get she's probably shocked or whatever, but at the same time, she's not really good at keeping things to herself. And it's really annoying. Like, really annoying. And she's like, well, it's an un unpleasant thing to talk of. Let's go one more. So, Egwene's like, well, can they? And Shiriam's like, hey, it's custom is not to speak of what happens with the Turong Grill. A woman's fears are her own. I'm like, how under the light would you ever come to the conclusion on your own to become a fear of something you don't know? But Egwene's like, well, well, can they? Can they? Can they? And Shiriam's like, well, this is something only known to a few, and even in the tower. You could not learn it now, if you, if ever, but I will tell you this. There's a weakness in being able to channel. This is kind of important. Um, that we learn to open ourselves to the true source means that we can be open to other things. And Egwene's like, oh. It's like, well, calm yourself. It's not easily done. It is a thing not done. So as far as I know, Light Senate has not been done. Since the Trolloc Wars, it took 13 Dreadlords, Dark Friends Who Could Channel, weaving the flows through 13 Murdral. You see? Not easily done. I'm like, that's only 26 people. That's not that difficult. I mean, you could turn it into a factory with that many people. Um, there are no Dreadlords today. This is a secret of the Tower. If others knew that we, we could never convince them they were safe. I'm like, you can't convince them they're safe anyway. You know, only one who can channel can be turned this way. The weakness of our strength. Everyone else is as safe as a fortress. Only their own deeds and will can turn them to the shadow. Which does help, but if you say no, you're probably going to get killed. <laughs> and Egwene's like 13, and she's like, oh, the same number who left the tower. Only 112 more. I'm sitting here like, shut up. She's so stupid. This is one of the reasons I can't stand Egwene. And she does a lot of good things throughout the series, but she does way too many stupid things that way over outweighs anything she does good. And Shiriam's like, there's nothing to dwell on. You forget it. Third time is for what will be. The way back will come but once. Be steadfast. And then Elaine just stares at the glowing arch. And she's like, Leandrin and 12 others. 13 dark friends who can channel. Light help us all. 
So she steps into the light and it fills her and it shines through her and she goes through it and she's like, light, help me. There's nothing but the light and the pain. So now she's standing in a mirror and there's a more ageless, smoothless face, you know, striped stroll that hung around her neck, the stole of the Omerlin seat. And it's like the way that would come back, but wants to be steadfast. And she's thinking 13. And this is an obvious understanding of what's going on because it's quite literally, she was literally just terrified and fearing 13 dark friends who can channel. She walks into a silver arch and go figure what happens. Now, if we think about this in order, you have the first silver arch is like Rand, my husband, my handsome, loving husband, and Joya, my beautiful, happy little, cute, sweet daughter. And just as she's leaving the arch, Rand's experiencing these pains from being able to channel, basically like channel pangs of pain, whatever. So then she goes in the next one and guess what happens? He's getting the madness. It's about the madness. Well, the first one was also about the madness, just wasn't blatantly named the madness. It was just, I have these these pains because I'm not channeling. When you go to the next one, it's like, I'm fighting off the madness because she was afraid of that in the previous one. So in the second one, she's thinking and focusing her fears on what happened in the first one is him and the madness. So she, he... In her own, <laughs> in her own fear, which she doesn't have this knowledge, but in her own fear, it tells her the information that she ends up fearing for the third one. It literally was a domino effect, which I think is absolutely hilarious. Um, but she's still stupid. So she goes in, she's thinking, you know, the way we'll come back once, be steadfast. And then she's thinking, oh, 13, it's like something is wrong. And it's like, she finds out that there's the keeper. And it's Beldine. And she's like, oh, I joined the Green Aja. She's like, are you ill? And we're thinking of 13 dark friends. He's like, oh, well, well I'm well. And it's like, they're going, you know, impatient, mother. And it's like, well, let's get going. So then they head out. And, you know, this is, this is a bit longer and whatnot. And she keeps hearing this, the whole, the way will come back. But the way, will, the way back will, the way. And she's thinking, like, the Black Aja awaits. And then she tells everyone to begin, and then one of the road sitters stand up, and it's Lida. And bring him in, so this man has named himself the Dragon Reborn. It's Rand, with his eyes half-closed. There's, like, all this going on. Oh, this man has channeled the one power. I'm like, well, technically, I mean, if you think about it, someone has to at some point, because the prophecies. <laughs> it's gotta happen. Um, And he's like, I call on the Omerlin seat to pronounce the sentence of gentling on this man. And Elida is obviously enjoying this. And he's like, why do you hesitate? The sentence has been set down for 3,000 years. Why do you hate Egwene, hesitate, Egwene Alvir? And then one of the green sitters jumps to her feet and she's like, shame, Elida. Show respect for the Omelin. Show respect for the mother. And Elida's like, respect can be lost as well as won. Well, Egwene... And she's not calling her mother, so obviously she doesn't respect her. It's like, can... It, can it be you show your weakness, your unfitness for your office at last? Can it be you will not pronounce sentence on this man? And I'm thinking like, well, if he is, this is something I've always struggled with the series in general. Like the Aes Sedai, in every instance they deal with a man who can channel, it's always ending with gentling, which to some extent makes sense. Because there's too many of them, all of them can't be the Dragon Reborn simultaneously. There's only one Dragon Reborn. But at the same time, it doesn't make sense that a person is like, hey, this person is a man who can channel. He claimed himself the Dragon Reborn. I'm like, okay, well, has there been any Dragon Reborns besides this guy? I'm like, well, there were some, but they all got captured the same moment he declared himself. Okay. Um, that's a pretty big telling sign. Um what has he done? Well, he's done this, this, this. Oh, those are all part of the prophecies. Wow, that's... Hmm, I don't know, guys. I don't know. That seems a little little suspect. And Egwene in this is just kind of like head spinning. She's like, no, I cannot. I will not. And a lot is like, she betrays herself. She condemns herself out of her own mouth. Take her. And all of a sudden, everybody just does it. And Beldine moves beside her and 
hits her over the head with the staff because that's how things in the town are done. <laughs> Gwen has quite the imagination, let's put it that way. But then there's pain after blackness, and she's, you know, she's on her back in the cold, and you know, there's voices. She's like, oh, she's still unconscious? And he's like, oh, don't worry, she'll be dealt with before she knows what happened to her. Then she is ours to do with as we will. Perhaps she will give you to her for sport. He's like, well, after you make your own use of her. He's like, oh, of course, of course. And the voices move kind of away. And she realizes, you know, she's naked, bruised, lying on a rough wooden table in what seems to be a storeroom with splinters stuck in her back. And there's blood in her mouth. There's a cluster of Aes Sedai standing on one side of the room, talking among themselves, kind of urgent. And she seems to be important to count them. And there's 13 of them. There's another group, black-cloaked and hooded men, joining the Aes Sedai, who seem, you know, caught between cowering and trying to dominate with their presence. And one of them turns his head towards the, the table, and his dead white face, the hood has no eyes. It's like, oh, well, obviously, this is the third domino. And he doesn't have to count the merge all. She's like, oh, 13 of them. And then... I... <laughs> Egwene! Stupid again! Anyone shocked? Because I'm not shocked. She screams! In pure terror. I'm just like, okay. So she desperately reaches out for the true source. And they're like, oh, she's awake. She cannot be. Not yet. Shield her quickly. Cut her off from the source. That's too late. She's too strong. Ah! Like everything's going crazy. Everyone's trying to like grab her and all that stuff. But then she just like supernovas and blasts everybody. And the half men die and burn away like oiled paper and chunks of stone toward themselves free of the wall and Egwene pushes herself off the table. I'm thinking like you could have just like oh crap this is a terrible situation. Let's get up without them noticing open myself to the true source and just go kaboomy and kill them all. Like boom like that. Like simple, easy, quickly, whatever. No. Scream. It's like when you see a show and there's like this person has the perfect opportunity to hit the person from behind or take them out sideswipe or something where the person that their target is is not aware of them at all. Like, they're not going to do anything. Like, okay, I'm going to attack them. But when I attack, I'm going to go, yeah, as I charge towards them to totally alert them and let them stop me. Like, first off, that's terrible writing for any, any show or any movie or any book or anything. If anybody, yeahs on somebody they're trying to sneak up on, just instantly close the book, throw it in the trash, or let it on a fire to you know, warm your house. It'll, pr it'll provide more use, I should say, than that. Like, it's, it's the dumbest thing in the world. Like, I don't understand why she does this. Well, I do, because she's stupid. <sighs> Thankfully, it's not like an actual constant thing in the series. I would really hate myself. So she basically blasts everyone, and then she's like trying to, you know... An Aes Sedai looming in front of her, bruised and bleeding, surrounded with glow power, basically trying to kill her. And she finds out it's it's Gildan, Elida's closest confidant, and it's the black, the black Aja sister, or black sister. And she was a red, but before Gildan could do anything, she just balls up a fist and punches her in the eyes as hard as she could. I'm thinking, you're like, you're 17 years old, maybe. You can't punch up Larson that hard to knock them off their feet. That's just not how it happens. You're you're a very small person. You're not a large, you're not a, a parent among women. <laughs> you're not a blacksmith. But Egwene staggers out into the hall and you know, she's checking things out. She's gotta find some clothes. Um and she's like looking trotting through these halls and trying to find some stuff. But then she goes through and finds out that uh Beldine sitting on the floor with her head in her hands and she's like not sure what's going on. Beldine raised her eyes to her and she's like I had to. They, You have to understand I had to. They they stilled me three nights ago while I slept and I can't channel any longer. So Egwene's like oh why didn't you tell me? I would have she's not that she could have done. I'm thinking mm, really though? Really? Maybe? Maybe not? Who knows? But again it's all essentially a dream of some sort but 
whatever. It's like, well, what would you have done? Nothing. But they said they could give me back my powers with the power of the Dark One. And they hurt me. And they made me. Oh, they hurt me. And Lada told me that they would make me whole. Be able to channel again if I obeyed it. And she's like, oh, so Lada is Black Aja. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is this is definitely you making things up left and right. By like, oh, I'm people in this this instance are definitely who I thought they were in real life. It's like, oh, yeah, how convenient. It's like, what are they doing with Rand? Are they taking him? It's like, where's Randall Thor? It's like, oh, they took him to the traitor's court. So they're like, oh, a lot of hadn't waited not even an hour. And there's only three uses of the traitor's court. Executions, the stilling of an Aes Sedai, or the gentling of a mannequin channel. And all three of them took an order from the Omelette seat. And it's got to be Elida. I'm thinking, you don't just be like, depose somebody, and then instantaneously like, all right, Elida's the Omelette, and then you go out. Like, you're supposed to have whole formalities and events and stuff. Like, it's not supposed to be a lickety-split thing. Like, you just throw them back into the prison, wait for all that stuff to be over with, and go. But no, they're, they're like, well, we're going all the way. And I'm thinking, this is a little odd, don't you think? Where you could take, like, according to this instance, not the rest of the series, according to this instance, Elida is black. Her closest confidant just got crumpled to the ground by Egwene's amazing punch to the face, which is just silly. But then she was just being talked about having 13 Merdral, 13 Aes Sedai, Black Aja, of course, converting her. And I'm thinking, like, you have the Dragon Reborn. Use 13 Aes Sedai and 13 Merdral and convert him. Wow, that, that that's difficult. No, we're going to go take him and gentle him. What? What? I mean, hypothetically, Elida could be not completely stupid and gentle him and then tell him, we'll give it back to you if you serve the Dark One. And he says, yes, hypothetically. I don't see that happening, but whatever. So she's heading through and trying to like, what can you do? What can you do? And Egwene's like, I never held the oath, Rod Beldine. And she's like, <gasps> I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You got raised to the Omerlin seat and never held the oath rod and everyone publicly in the entire tower was okay with that you're joking but she's like well I never held the oath rod so I can go kabooey so she goes out and she doesn't have to worry about the three oaths or anything like that and no one becomes Aes Sedai without being bound to those three oaths but in a fashion, she could not begin to dress up. She had done just that. So she had somehow gotten through all that. She had somehow, and this is this is the weird part. She has the ageless face because she had it in the mirror. She has an ageless face, which you can only get through the oath rod. So I don't know how they pulled that one off. She's she's really making all this stuff up off of her limited knowledge. Um, so then, you know, we learn a little bit of things like every acid eye, except those he had left in the storeroom, every accepted novice servants would all be gathered in the traitor's court, according to custom, to watch the will of Tarvalin made be fact. And the warders would be ringing the courtyard against the possibility that someone might try to free the man to be gentled. And the remnants of Guer Amalasan's armies had attempted to do it, but at the end of what had called the War of the Second Dragon, just before Utter Hawkwing's rise, had given Tarvalin other things to worry about. And so had Rylan Darkspain's followers long years earlier. Whether Rand had any followers or not, she could not remember, but Warders remembered such things and guarded them. And then, if Elida or somebody else did wear the Stole of Omerlin, the Warders might not admit her to the, the Traitor's Court, but she could definitely force her way in. Um, there's no point if Rand's gentle while she was still wrapping orders in air, so if the waters could break free, she could lose lightnings on them and bail fire. I'm thinking, like, how do you know bail fire? Considering that's a lost talent, but okay. Allegedly a lost talent. <laughs> it's definitely a forbidden one. And she's like, bail fire? What is bail fire? So she heads over to the trader's court, turns aside, climbs upstairs, ramps. I'm just like, this place is like a jungle gym. It's crazy how many things go this way and that way. So she thrust open a trapdoor, climbs out to the sloping tower, and she can see across the roofs and everything, and there's 
everyone's crowding into this court, looking over everything, and, you know, this man, abandoned to the light, has touched Sidene, the male half of the truth source. Thus do we hold him. Most abominably has this man channeled the one power, knowing that Sidene is tainted by the Dark One, like he has an option, guys. Tainted for man's pride and man's sin, thus we do chain him. I'm thinking, like... Tells you the eyes that I don't know everything. Right there. Tainted for men's pride, because it wasn't women's pride that caused the problem to begin with. If you do read the prologue and the histories and everything about it. Big White Book has a lot of really good information. Just throwing that out there. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't Luce Theron's fault, to be fair. It was literally the only option he had, because the women kind of screwed things up. Um, yeah. <laughs> they really screwed things up, honestly. So, Egwene's thinking, you know, 13 Aes Sedai, 12 sisters in the Amarlin, the tradition number for gentling, the same number as for something else. Which, you just have to see the merge draw, though, and if there's no merge draw, then they're not going to do the same thing as the other thing. But, she's like, well, I can manage to lift him with air, pick him right out of the circle of Aes Sedai and float him straight to her. I'm like, well, even even if you did that, you think you're just going to stand there and do nothing? <laughs> like, Egwene yeah, really is stupid. I'm just throwing that out there again for the billionth time. Um, he's like, well, it'd be a slow process, and that's if she could find the strength. And he'd be a helpless target for archers and other things. I'm thinking, like, how about you create a ball of air that would lift him, but it would also encage him like a hamster? And then every archer that's shooting at him would quite literally bounce their arrows right off of it. <gasps> you have small, tiny, tiny, tiny holes in it to give him oxygen. Oh, wait, you're a novice. You're not intelligent and you're definitely stupid. So you wouldn't know any of that. And she's thinking like, oh, there could be merge all or whatever. And she's like, oh, there's no there's no other way short of starting a war inside the White Tower. I might I might do that anyway. But then she hears the way back come, will come but once. Be steadfast. And it had been a while since she heard that. So she gives a start and slips on the smooth tiles, catches her off, off, almost falling off the edge. And it's about a hundred paces down. She's thinking there on the tower top tilted uh, to sit flat against it. It was a silver arch filled with the glowing ring of light. And it flickered and wavered streaks of angry red and yellow darted through the white light. The way will back will come but once be steadfast. The archway thins to transparency and grows solid. But she becomes frantic and she gazes at the treasure's court and that had there had to be time. You know, I just need a few minutes, maybe ten, and luck. I'm thinking, no one's gonna just sit there and let you do what you want to do. No one's gonna do that. But she the, the woman's voices she almost believe like basically tell her, like, hey, can't hold much longer. If she doesn't come out now, hold, hold, burn you, or I'll gut you all like sturgeons. Going wild, mother, we can't. The voices fade to a drone, the drone to silence, but the unknowable spoke against. The way it will come back but once be steadfast. There is a price to be Aes Sedai. The black Aja awaits. And Egwene just screams in rage and loss and just throws herself to the arch as it shimmers like a heat haze. And she almost wished she had missed and plunged to her death. But she gets pulled apart fiber by fiber and hairs and everything turns to wisps and light, drifting apart forever. And that's the end of the chapter. <laughs> oh my gosh. When my early my early read throughs of this series. I actually didn't mind Egwene. Mostly because I didn't think about her. <laughs> she wasn't interesting. She didn't pull my attention. I just kinda I read the chapters like, okay, okay. I never really thought about it. And then going through this for this podcast was just like eye-opening to how dumb she actually is and i know there are people who like her and my sympathies go out to you <laughs> but i i just i can't there's nothing redeeming about her because even when she does the good things she tears her own good stuff apart with very poor choice making so it just it just drives me insane But yeah, um, her fueling her own arch, <laughs> arches of fear, if you will, in like a domino's effect was quite entertaining. 
because that's not something I had really thought of up until doing the studies for this. But there you go. You got that little nugget of information for you. But yeah. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. What did you guys think about it? I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at Tales of a Red Arm. On Facebook, Tales of a Red Arm. And then directly you can reach out to me at my Gmail, which is Tales of a Red Arm at gmail.com. And I'd love to hear from you and hear what your thoughts are, what you guys like, what you don't like, all the fun stuff. Um, the hate mail is as much fun as the fan mail. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That was a lot of information, and it was longer than I was expecting it to be. So I do apologize that it went a little longer, and it didn't feel like super crazy. I had heavily thoughted... Thoughted? <laughs> I heavily thought about skipping each of the instances and just kind of like breaking it down but there were some snippets that had actual information in them so i was like well it may not be accurate to the overall actual story but there's still information like even the last one talking about where amalasans and Rowland darkspain's followers attacking during the war of the second dragon and all that stuff and arthur hawking's rise all that stuff is historical which she would know because being a novice you'd learn that stuff um, but the reader might not necessarily know. So it's, it's good information in that regard, but I heavily considered just skipping huge portions and swaths of it because it's just like, it's just, there's really not a whole lot in a fake instance that may have some information that's true and information that's just definitely not. And most of it was definitely not, but there was a little bit here and there. And let's just say Egwene has a wild imagination, but yeah. Anyway, um, we'll go ahead and call that good, but uh, thanks for hanging out and listening. I know it's long and droning sometimes, but hopefully I make it somewhat entertaining for you guys. But we have chapter 23 next, and hopefully you guys will join me for that. Um, it's going to get, not necessarily hairy, but it's <laughs> it's going to be a very much stressful for Egwene, probably for the next uh, chapter slash episode. So... Anyway, everybody, thanks for hanging out. Hope you'll join me for chapter 23 next time. And I'll say so long for now. Until then. We drink all night and dance all day And on the girls we'll spend our pay And when we're done then we'll away To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll toss the dice however they fall And snuggle the girls be they short or tall And follow young Matt wherever he calls To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll toss the dice however they fall And snuggle the girls be they short or tall Then follow Lord Matt wherever he calls To dance with Jack of the Shadows We'll give a yell with a bloody curse And hug the maids, it could be worse And ride away with the dark woods first To dance with Jack of the Shadows yeah. 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 Yeah.